Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Cleary. And today we'll be discussing season six of Orange is the New Black. We keep saying each and every week, each and every week does not seem to happen very well recently (laughs) and won't into the future. I'm about to go away on holidays for a bit. I think Mm. we'll have content to fill that space, but we'll... We'll see what happens. We'll see how we go. Look, I'll, let's be let's be honest with the people. It's my fault. I keep um, either delaying things or getting sick. You know, and, and I apologise. And we can't. It's winter here. Sickness happens, and you don't want to hear us copying. The thing that helped us last year when we were doing this is we actually were a few episodes ahead because mm-hmm. we were trying to do mainly old stuff. We weren't like watching new shows and stuff like that. Um, and so this season, this year, I've been trying to just do it week by week, and uh, delays happen. So we have no buffer. Sorry, guys. Maybe we'll change the intro one day to reflect that. Anyway, let's get into things. Starting with off topic, hot topic. Off topic, hot topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Off topic, hot topic is a part of the show. We just talk about things that aren't the episode or the season of television we're reviewing this week. And if you'd like to contribute to uh, a topic or a story to off topic, hot topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or by tweeting us at hunting s cast. No Brian Fuller watch this week. He's been very quiet recently, um, but we do have some headlines, some updates um, mm. on things we've talked about previously. Last episode, we did talk at length about the hashtag rehire James Gunn movement. Um, in the last couple of weeks since that episode, there have been some developments, not that James Gunn has been rehired at this stage, um, but there was a joint um, statement that was sent out and signed by the entire main cast of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, which was pretty pretty cool. Just a, a lot, basically saying, you can look it up, um, find that one online and on Twitter especially. But essentially, they were just saying they stand by him and his character. They don't, um, same as us, don't defend his tweets from the past, um, mm. but uh, do think that he's been unfairly dismissed and would like to see him back. And that's pretty powerful coming from people like Chris Pratt and David mm-hmm. Batista in particular, yeah. has been really, really vocal um, to the point saying that he won't even return for Guardians 3 if they don't at least use Gunn's script. Oh, my. So, really trying to throw his weight around. Um, Good on there's him. A r- there's yeah, a go lot on. of weight to throw around. <laughs> he does. Mate, yes, he does. He's a big boy. A big, very strong, scary man. Um, <laughs> and the there's a rumour today getting around. And I don't know if it's been substantiated in any way. But there is a hope for this. There's been articles saying, oh, it's not going to happen. Disney's not going to do it. They've been surprisingly quiet on the whole thing, Disney, on just mm. in Marvel in general recently. And there is 
there was a rumor floating around there was a meeting taking place to discuss the whether or not they wanted to do it or not. Basically, that's not saying you know they were discussing they were going to make it happen, but maybe just like internally talking about the backlash to the backlash. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, so we'll see what I happens. Mean, there. Yeah, that that sounds good to me. But that meeting could also just be negotiating his release. You know, could be that. Could be figuring out whether to use the script. Could be who knows mm. what else. Um, we will see. I log on to Twitter every morning hoping to hear that he's being rehired. We will see. You log on, do you, Broad? I log on. You log on. Oh, God, we're getting old. I don't think kids <laughs> say that these days because you never log off. It's true. Yes. Yeah, that's a sad thing, isn't it? I just <laughs> go to my swipe up, look at my recent open windows and click on the one that was the second one to the left and go straight back to Twitter like I did the other day and swipe, yeah. go between the three apps I look at. Anyway. That's off topic. If ever there was an off topic, back on topic a little bit. Patrick Stewart has now confirmed to be returning to CBS for a new Star Trek series revolving around Captain Picard um, post New Generation or Next Generation, I should say. Um, we talked about this previously when Alex Alex Kurtzman um, took over as showrunner for Star Trek Discovery and uh, that he was going to be doing other shows. There was a rumor there was going to be a Picard show then, and that mm. is now um, going to happen, which is. I don't know. I think it's pretty exciting. Even as someone who hasn't even really watched Next Generation, I like yeah. Patrick Stewart. I, I haven't really. I guess I've watched the movies like when they were on TV and stuff, but I'm, I'm not particularly invested in the character. But I sure. can see why people would be super excited about this, and I'll probably check it out. One of the other reasons people were excited, I think, is because um, so far most of the Star Trek, well, Star Trek projects in recent times have either been reboots, like the movie series, or they've gone mm. back in time. So Enterprise, which was the series, I think the last series before Discovery was a prequel series. Discovery is a prequel series to the original series. So this is the first series in a long time to actually continue the storyline forward in any manner, which is exciting for people who are fans of the original stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to checking that out. That'll be cool. Um, beyond that, I did want to talk about a couple of little things I've had a chance to watch um, over the last couple of weeks. First of all, I want to talk about Disenchantment, um, which is the upcoming animated uh, adult fantasy sitcom. <laughs> that's a lot of words. For, from Matt Groening, who created The Simpsons and Futurama. So, this is his new cartoon television show um, that is sort of has a fantasy medieval um, Dungeons and Dragons-esque feel to it. So, imagine Futurama, but set in a fantasy medieval world, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we were lucky enough to have access to the first few episodes of this. Um, the rest of season one is arriving on Netflix on August 17th. I'm, um, I, I mean, I think everyone who's watched <coughs> The Simpsons, especially when they're a kid and from our generation, loves The Simpsons. Simpsons is mm-hmm. hugely quotable and memeable. A lot of people like Futurama as well, especially myself, especially the original run before it was cancelled the first time. I had all of those seasons on DVD. I ate that shit up. I fucking love Futurama. Yeah. I think so many of our friendships were forged in Simpsons quotes in primary school. Like, that's yeah. that's how you connected with people. Yeah. I, there, I can literally think of specific friendships in my... People in my friendship group who... I think we started talking and, like, knew we were going to be besties when we started doing Futurama. And I think Red vs. Blue jokes... Was the other one for those who know the red versus Nerds. blue Halo machine? My yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> so I was, you know, intrigued by the idea of a new Matt Grading show. Simpsons has done nothing for me for a long time. The later Futurama stuff didn't do a whole lot for me. I don't think I've even seen it all when it got revived. Watched the first, the pilot was not impressed, um, 
and was like, okay, that's fine. The original pilot of Futurama wasn't all that great either. It takes a while to get going. That's true. Mm. Watched the next couple of episodes and kind of had to just drop off completely. So, I haven't even watched the entire amount we've been given. So, take that with a grain of salt. You know, it could get better from here. But yeah. three episodes in, I was not impressed. It. So, can you can you say, like, in what way you weren't impressed? Or are you not allowed to talk on that? We can yet? talk enough about it now, yeah. The mm. the main thing we can... I can well, I don't want to spoil anything. People are going to watch it. Um, but mainly, it just feels really outdated. In oh, the sense yeah. that it feels of someone who's trying to recreate the magic of Futurama in particular mm. by just making Futurama but in a fantasy land. Yes, the characters are mixed up, but if you look at your main trio of characters, there's a Leela character, there's a Bender character, and there's a Fry character. Like, they've just taken those archetypes, put them in new fantasy-style bodies, basically, and mixed them up a little bit. So, our main character is Leela rather than Fry in this show, um, right. but there's still very much a Fry. Elfo is Fry, and um, the demon character is Bender, essentially, or a Bender type, and um, our lead character is, is sort of a, a, a Leela type. Mm. And I like those characters a lot, but it means that there's there's nothing that separate. I don't want to see it remade, Futurama remade as a fantasy show. So, I found that pretty uninspiring to begin with. I just didn't find it funny. It just is really outdated humor, especially that we live in a landscape now. We've got things like Bojack Horseman and Bob's Burgers and Rick and Morty and Archer and like fantasy, uh, sorry, not fantasy, animated adult humor and comedy shows exist and are thriving these days. They've moved past sort of what The Simpsons and Futurama have been putting forward previously. And so, I don't know. I just found it really meh, really completely not memorable, not funny, not not, inter- not anything. I just... And it's not like terrible, I guess, but I, mm. I've got no, no want to go back and watch more of it. I want to hear that it gets better because then maybe yeah. I'll jump back in. But that's, at this stage, that's it's the kind thing. of... I mean, it might be one of those shows that, you know, season three, everyone's like, oh, you got to watch it now. you got to watch it, which is always the hope, I think. So, who knows? I'll be very interested to hear how it does from um, Netflix point of view, whether they renew it for another season or not. Mm. But, uh, yeah, for me, I'm, I was out after three episodes. So, uh, that's a shame. Uh, the other thing I got to see, and I got to see early as well, which was really nice, um, I got to go to a critic screening of Black Klansmen. Uh, which is an American biographical crime film co-written and directed by Spike Lee and starring John David Washington, Washington, Adam Driver, Laura Harrier and Topher Grace. Set in 1970s Colorado, the plot follows an African-American detective who sets out to infiltrate and expose the Ku Klux Klan. I've been pretty excited for this one. I remember seeing the trailers for it earlier in the year, um, getting a lot of buzz online based off that trailer. And, um, yeah, was was lucky enough to go and see an early screening and was pretty impressed by it. It's mm. not perfect. It has some pacing issues. It's a little bit longer than it should be. Um, sort of in the middle, it starts to drag a little bit. It is one of those... It's very entertaining. I it, Here's how I'd put it. If you haven't seen the trailer, don't, because I feel like the trailer sells a slightly different film than what this one is in terms of its pace. It almost gives away some of its best jokey moments. And so, you feel like it's going to be a little bit more of a comedy than it is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's still a sense of humor in there. Adam Driver's great in, in it. Um, John David Washington's great in it. In fact, I've got to say, Adam Driver's great in everything. I keep... The more I see of him, the more I think he's going to be huge as he gets... Yeah, that's a pretty accurate statement. Yeah. Yeah. And... 
the the thing you, you realize as the show as the movie goes on, it's got a message. It's it, it and I think to maybe the film critic snobby side of um, the film world, film Twitter, they might find a little bit basic on the nose, wacky on the yeah, and it's probably for like left leaning individuals as well. They might find this a little bit like yeah, duh. The Ku Klux Klan sucks and racism is awful, right? Mm. But it's making a very definitive, specific statement about how racism exists in everyday life, especially in America, and mm-hmm. trying to make sure people understand that what is happening now in the United States is very familiar to different eras in American history, and that we... Uh, making sure that those parallels are drawn, and and it's I don't want to say much more than that, but it, it I think it it wields that hammer, like it is a hammer. It's a hefty weapon, but it it really uses it really well. It hits the nail on the head. It's very effective. It definitely gets an emotional response. You feel a lot of things going coming out of it, a lot of anger in particular. Um, but it's I think it's directed in the right way, and I think it's a film I hope a lot of people watch. It's a very accessible way of talking about. America's complex relationship with racism. Um, and yeah, it's really, it was really, really good, really entertaining. Um, not the best film of the year. It won't be in my top 10 sort of thing, but very, very good. And I hope people go watch it. All right. Hmm. I'll go watch it then. Have you seen the trailer for it or anything like that? Or I, I hadn't heard a thing about it until um, like the past week. And then it was just all over my Twitter feed. Uh, the embargo uh, went up basically. So, you can people can talk about it yeah, now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and I, I have seen a trailer. I don't remember a lot about it. I Good. mean, I remember the basic premise, but I don't remember the tone that the trailer gave me. So, that's all right. It was one of those trailers that every time I went to the cinema it seemed to be on. <laughs> so, oh, it was okay. like I'd seen it like six, seven, eight times by the time. I got around to seeing it myself. Uh, that's Black Klansman spelt with a black and Klansman are connected by a K, so it's KKK in the middle of it. So you'll know you'll know it when you see it, basically. <laughs> Damask, what do you have for us for off topic hot topic this week? Look, I've experienced some high culture this week. <laughs> I went to the movies and saw Mamma Mia too. Ooh, here we go again. <laughs> that's right, buddy. Uh, look, um, I was not expecting much. I I I have seen the first one. Um, it's ridiculous. I, I'm a big fan of musicals. I Mamma Mia didn't really speak to me. It's Mamma Mia, the stage musicals recently come back to Melbourne, which I've seen, and I was like, this is dumb and awful. But I get why people like it it's it's stupid but it's that it's that fun kind of stupid so who cares so i walked into the cinema to see mamia 2 and nothing happened <laughs> in the entire film nothing happens it's 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 wonderful it truly is something to behold um a film that simply just has really no narrative <laughs> um but people were loving it which was mm. great and no one was uh, clapping along were they Oh, there were there were claps. Oh. Of course, there were claps. It's Mamma Mia too. Here we go again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, when I was watching, I was like, "Oh, I kind of wish I was high." While while I'm watching this, I think that's probably, unless you're a huge ABBA fan, that's probably the best way to do it to be inebriated in some way. Um, every single song was 
almost every single song was definitely B-side. I was like, I don't recognize this song at all. What is that song? Is this an ABBA song? Like yeah. nothing was registering um, unless, of course, it, if, unless it was being reprised by the first film. But yeah, like I said, people love it. Um, they were loving it in my showing of it. I am baffled, but and I was baffled as I was watching it, but I enjoy being baffled. I'm a huge fan of bad movies and it was fun to watch one in the cinema because usually it's just like a, a sketchy like VHS version. Um, so it was kind of like, yeah, to watch a bad film in HD was was <laughs> quite a, a fun night. Mm. I, I love recommend. the I love the backhand uh, the backhanded compliment of uh, <laughs> I love bad movies and I love this. It's <laughs> like well done. I mean, it's I don't know if it's backhanded. I think it's it's me just openly shitting on it. But I think sure. like if if that's I mean, no one's going. If you're to into bad going, movies, you'll like this movie, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, or if you just really like Abba, then you'll love it. You know. Sure. There was a fil- There was a review that came out of The Onion from their uh, film reviewer, Peter Rosenthorn, I think his name is, um, mm. specifically about Mamma Mia 2, which is excellent, um, <laughs> which is basically just like, you know, uh, just you got to watch because the execution is obviously better than I'm about to retell it. But it's essentially like if you, you know, I understand critics, this film is not going to have a great plot and blah, blah. It's just a freaking film that just enjoy it, guys. We live yeah. in this horrible, miserable reality at the moment where everything's wrong. It's just a piece of fluff entertainment. Just freaking enjoy it, you dickheads. I sort of like that. Uh. Yeah. I, and I think that's why maybe a lot of people have been responding it, responding to it with so much love. But you like, it's, I've seen a lot of people online who probably wouldn't necessarily love this type of movie, but are really attached to it. I think because it is so lighthearted and it's just a romp and it's just fun. And sometimes you just need a fucking break. So Absolutely. Have mm. anything else for us to mask? Oh, I somehow managed to binge watch Good Girls this week. Well, I, I've been very, very sick, and so I've just been lying in bed in my own sweat, um, going in and out of consciousness, and binging a couple of shows. And one of them was Good Girls. So, what's Good Girls? So, uh, I believe it's NBC make it. Um, it stars Christina Hendricks, Redder, and Mae Whitman. It's about three suburban gals who, um, due to different circumstances, but they all come together, start to uh, commit crimes in order to uh, get some money. It's so kind it's, of it's, Breaking Bad, but with Yeah, ladies. that's what people say. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, that's the premise anyway. Yeah, that kind of... Yeah, the basic premise, I think, is similar sure. to Breaking Bad. The tone, however, is very different. It mm-hmm. is a um, dramedy, I think is probably how I would describe it. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I mean, I enjoyed it. I was really enjoying it. And then I went online. I was like, what are the, what do the critics say? I don't know why I care. but I, And they, they don't like it, but that's fine. I mean, it is... Yeah, I think the criticism just kind of said that it was middling or it was, you know, just not very good. Um, but, yeah, I know I don't agree with that. I, I agree with the fact that the plot is certainly not airtight, mm-hmm. but I had fun with the characters and it's the kind of show where things go wrong every episode and things just keep mounting and mounting. But I was, I don't know, I was invested in these ladies and I I thought the performances were great and Retta fucking kills it because she was the one I was a little worried about. 
she fucking nails it. And there's some big like emotional scenes that she has to really find some balance in and she does. So yeah, I, I, I would say give it a whirl, see what you think. And so we can watch this in Australia on Netflix. I'm not on sure Netflix, if that's true yeah. of the rest of the world. I, I think it's I just been be. renewed for a second season, I believe. Yeah. Recently. I, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably similar to The Good Place in which it's kind of like a NBC Netflix um, shared joint. I yeah, think. totally. So I'm assuming it would be available everywhere on Netflix. But yeah, just check where you are, people. My girlfriend's been watching this as well, and I haven't been able to sit down and watch the whole thing, but I've, I've tuned in for, you know, a few episodes here and there, mm. and I quite liked what I was saying of it. Like, yeah. it, it, it's not aiming to, like, I don't know, when they say it's middling, it's like, it's not aiming to be high art. It's not aiming to be, you know, a no. super dramedy, like, Breaking Bad or something like that. I think it's, yeah. what it's doing is, it's doing pretty well, from what I've seen. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that. I think, yeah, a lot of the reviews were like, oh, it's it's Breaking Bad, but it's confused. I'm like, no, I think the basic premise is similar to Breaking Bad, but that's certainly not the tone it's going for. And I think I I think they find quite a bit of balance with their drama and their comedy. I don't mind it. I, I, it, was, it, it fit with uh, my style, I think. Awesome. Excellent. Mm. So that is Good Girls. Um, and that's out now, Netflix in Australia, somewhere else probably in the rest of the world. Look, we Ex- usually get stuff dead last, so I'm sure it's available everywhere else. All right, then let's dive into our spoiler-free review of Orange is the New Black Season 6. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Orange is the New Black Season 6 mixes things up a bit, taking us to new places, introducing a bunch of new characters, and answering the age-old question, is there life after Prison Riot? While many familiar cast members return, a significant number have gone missing, replaced with new faces including Amanda Fuller, Vicky Martinez, Henry Russell, Mackenzie Phillips and Susan Hayward. Season 6 consists of 13 episodes, each coming in at around 58 minutes, with the exception of a 1 hour and 24 minute finale, and took us approximately 11 hours and 30 minutes to watch. Orange is the New Black will return for a seventh and possibly final season, most likely in 2019. It's been a while since we reviewed uh, the ori- the first five seasons of Orange is the New Black, Damask. Mm-hmm. How, before going to this season, what were your sort of general feelings going forward? Do you remember sort of how you feel about Orange is the New Black as a whole entity? My general feeling was like, I don't remember anything. Um, but other than that, I think I remember being... Um, slightly reinvigorated by the change of how they did season five, perhaps not necessarily by the stories within season five, but just that they were willing to mix things up. I also think I was excited by the fact that they were going somewhere new and that they were splitting everyone up. That that really excited me. But I was certainly also experiencing fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> what what about not you? helped by the fact we watched five seasons basically one after the other. It was rough. It was yeah. a rough time. Mm-hmm. There was, it's definitely been from memory again, it's been a while. And feel free, please, listeners, go back and listen to the five episodes we've discussed this previously. But it's been a show where it's had its highs, definitely. Some seasons have been better than others. Mm-hmm. I think season two was a particular low point for us. That was um, V, right? Pardon, what was that? Was that V? Yeah, yeah. The, the V villain. Yeah. Um, season particularly, um, there's been some storylines that we found really controversial in terms of <laughs> their personal effect on us as viewers, what we think of them, how they've handled some pretty delicate topics mm. um, in there as well. 
And yeah, it's it's been a roller coaster, I think. Generally, we've always thought the show was good. You know, it offers something that there's not much of else else of on television, mm-hmm. but um, its quality can sort of differ pretty wildly, not just from season to season, but from episode to episode sometimes. And scene to scene. And scene to scene. Storyline to storyline, definitely. Absolutely. Mm. So, with that in mind, could you please give us your spoiler-free review of season six of Orange is the New Black Damask? I can, Brod, but I'm going to let you go first. Damn it. Damn it. I knew you were going to do that. (laughs) You don't get to do that next one. All right. Uh, right. Okay. I thought this was a strong if not flawed season of Origin of the New Black in a number of ways. Tonally, a bit of a return to the early seasons, and which was weird because we were saying that the right season was refreshing. It was good that they were able to sort of return to what sort of what made the show good in the first place a little bit. And maybe that does help that we haven't watched this immediately after watching the other seasons. Um, So I was happy to go back to sort of tone. Um, We've complained consistently that 13 episodes is too many in a season. And honestly, that remains true. But I did (laughs) find that this one was a bit better paced or a bit better managed. There were Mm -hmm. less low moments that maybe want to switch off. That makes sense. It didn't drag as much. I, I was like, okay, we're getting to episode eight, nine. We should be getting towards the end here. But I wasn't like, ready to just switch off completely, which I thought was an impressive change because that's been a real problem for me. Um, moving the show to its new setting allowed for some fun um, reshuffling of the characters, but didn't seem... Also, I didn't seem f- think it fully used the potential of that new setting. There's some... The new setting sort of promises... I don't want to say it explicitly in case people haven't seen the previews or anything, but it um, it promises certain things and I don't think it necessarily fulfills all of that but it was still there was some good changes in there um there are some there are some good new characters um but i found some a particular group of guards to be fucking Mm. terrible Mm -hmm. and need to be shot out of a cannon and should Mm -hmm. never be involved in the show again Mm -hmm. did not like that inclusion at all um similarly a lot of the characters have found fresh new angles and ideas but some storylines are wasted and some again just need to be cut loose completely this happens when you've got so many characters, unfortunately, though, and a lot of storylines that you're trying to complete, compete with. There was one storyline in particular that I was really, really curious what they were going to do with it. They, It left in a place that I think we were very hesitant about. It touches on it for a bit, and then it sort of just, like, finishes it, and then that character has nothing to do for the rest of the season. And it's very <laughs> odd. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to talking about that one a lot when we get to spoilers um, mm-hmm. after this segment. Um, the I did find the ending, especially the last two episodes, to be surprisingly strong. Um, mm-hmm. It wrapped up a number of storylines in satisfying ways, have, had a lot to say, um, gave more re- resolution and catharsis than previous seasons have at times, and took other storylines to surprising places um, that promised a lot for next season. So, I was really impressed by that. Um and it's like I said earlier, it has been a year since we watched season five, so maybe that gr- that break has helped um, put this one in a bit of light for me. I also was able to watch this pretty spread out. I was able to sort of do one to two episodes a day, which I haven't always been good at. Sometimes I have to binge it through. Um, but yeah, I thought this was one of the better seasons of the show overall. Mm-hmm. Damask, what about you? So yeah, I guess Orange <laughs> <laughs> is the new black just isn't must watch TV for me anymore mm. anymore and i guess that's been true for a while but i think i understand now that i no longer trust the writers to make 
an emotionally nuanced, funny, heartwarming, yet tragic season of TV. And I think the humour that I found so charming in season one, which you mentioned comes back this season, um, it feels dated now. It feels poorly used and ultimately not very funny in season six. There are things they do again and again because it was something that people enjoyed in season one. But it's, you know, it's season six. How has the show's sensibility not evolved in many ways? You know, it's things like let's have a funny montage where the women audition for something and then they say wacky things. It's like how many times do we need to see that uh-huh. over and over and over They're again? Specifically auditioning even. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange. Um Characters seem to waffle back and forth between choices. Some things stick and some things don't. It's almost as though the more time the show spends with a character, the harder it is to see them or understand them. Mm. And I just kept asking myself, I'm like, how is that possible? Um, Because there are lots of characters that I, like, was fascinated by in season one. And the more that we scratch the surface, there just seemed to be not depth there, just inconsistencies. And then do, on top of that- Do you think that- it's possible that because as the show stretches into its sixth and about to be seventh season, mm. they've just, some of these characters have run their course in terms of their storylines, especially Absolutely. in a world where, where while things have changed situation-wise, particularly in the last two seasons, mm. they're still in prison. Like yep. it's- the, only, There's only a limited amount of change that can happen in their circumstances, if that makes sense. But yet, no, I I don't agree because you can mm. do anything with personal relationships. Sure. Like they are constantly evolving and challenging people in different ways. Um, so I, I think you can find something for characters to do, but I also think it is important to recognise when there is nowhere else to go with a character and feel okay with letting them just be in the background, like yep. literally just in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, So we've got those issues. And then they also continue to introduce new characters, each, I think, as forgettable as the next. Um, And and in doing so, I think they neglect characters that I do want to spend time with. Like you said, we get some resolutions to certain storylines this season, which is so nice and I think very necessary at this late stage in the game. I really appreciate that. Um, Cutting down on characters is a great choice. And I hope the culling continues I hope we focus on characters that are enjoyable and engaging to watch I enjoyed um, watching certain guards which I found strange since I detest most of them Um, but I think the big issue there for me and with a lot of other characters as well but particularly with the guards is I guess I just don't find watching someone be the most obnoxious terrible version of a human very funny at all. Mm. Um, in a show like Always Sunny, you can get away with it because that precise behaviour is their downfall. So it's kind but of cathartic spe- in that specifically. way. Specifically, it's like the people who are punished in that show are themselves. Yeah, that's 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 why you have characters like that. That's why you have characters like that in Seinfeld because that's the humour is that their terrible, obnoxious behaviour, their worst behaviour is their own downfall. Um, but that's not the case in this show. The worse you are, the more you are rewarded, which doesn't make for satisfying television. It's certainly, a, a, for me personally, it gets in the way of humour. Um there's and there's a point in this season when one character simply asks another, like, what are we doing here? 
And I asked myself the same thing. Um, if it was to have a real look at the lives of women in prison, I wish these women were treated with a little more dignity. I wish that they felt real in a way that they have previously. And I wish their punishment, torture and persecution felt less like one long fart joke. When you say you wish they'd been treated with more dignity, do you mean by the writers or do you mean... Well, by the writers. Yeah, like, not, not I mean. in the... Because it's the thing. I think part of the show is obviously the prison experience. The whole idea is they're not treated with dignity yeah, no, no, inside no, the world itself. Yeah, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying yeah. by the writers. I, I think I like these are really important stories to tell. Yeah. Um, and so many times we see balls just being dropped. Yeah. And I think that's a real shame. Okay. What would you give this season out of five stars then? Uh, three. Cool. I'm going to give it a 3.5. I think it sound, definitely sounds like I liked it a little bit more than you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested to get start talking about this in our spoiler section. But before we do that, um, I'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But now it's time for us to go to spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning, on this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one to six of Orange is the New Black. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Orange is the New Black up to this point. If not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Storytime with Damask. All of the ladies found in the bunker have been sent down the hill to Max and put into ADSEG. The information slowly disseminates out that Piscatella is dead and that the crime is going to be put on one of them. Red starts freaking out about being betrayed and she's not wrong. Frida betrays her in order to be sent to Florida, which is the name given to the cruisiest block at Max. And Nikki has to betray her reluctantly. Only after the situation is spelled out to Red does she understand Nikki's choice. She vows to never forgive Frida though, because otherwise Red wouldn't have a whole lot to do this season. Piper has somehow found a daisy in her room and starts playing She Loves Me, She Loves Me Not, because all she can do is think about Alex or their relationship. Gloria and Blanca turn on Maria because they don't think it's wise to sacrifice their freedom for a character that is written by crazy people that will change her motive at a moment's notice. Seriously, remember who Maria used to be? 
Oh, God. And then she ended up sodomizing guards. How did we get here? Anyway, so that makes Maria mad at everyone. But it's cool because everyone hates her back for freeing the guards. And I'm happy to report that we get to spend more time with our two favorite couples. First is the lesser of two evils, which is Caputo and Fig. I know that when last season ended, I prayed and prayed that we would get extra time with these two in season six. And my prayers came true. What a love story for the ages. And secondly, we have Pensatucky and Coates. They are gallivanting across the countryside, being unfairly persecuted for their forbidden love, which is just like gay people. Gosh, I sure hope the writers draw that parallel between a rapist and his abused partner and the struggle of gay people. Oh good, they do. Pensatucky finally realises that she's with a violent loser with serious control issues and goes back to the prison. Thank God. Can I have my Pensatucky back now? Because her storyline for the last two and a half seasons was a bummer. Cindy accidentally gives up Tasty's name while being interviewed about what happened during the riot and Tasty is put on trial for the murder of Piscatella. And that is the heart of this season. Pussay might be gone, but these girls are still family, and the crushing guilt slowly destroys Cindy. There's a big feud between C-Block and D-Block at Max, and while this might seem inconsequential given what Tasty is going through this season, you are wrong, because the writers think this storyline is very interesting, funny, and a good use of our time. So C-Block belongs to Carol, and D-Block is Barb's. They're two uninteresting and psychotic sisters that killed their sibling years ago. They also have a serious vendetta against Frida because she ratted them out decades earlier. They each have their right-hand man, Barb's his daddy, who seems to be an extra from the L word, and loves giving Dyer both drugs and cunnilingus. And Carol has Baddison, who is the most annoying culmination of every bully from every film and TV show that you hated with a passion. She's somehow both the bitchy mean girl and her lame lackey all at the same time. Baddison terrorises Piper for starting a kickball team and being cooler than her. So Alex steps in and makes friends with Carol and her friends to make Piper's life easier. I don't know why she doesn't just sit on them. Seriously, they are the smallest and lamest looking gang members I have ever seen. Alex could knock them all over with the gust from a strategic hair flip. There are hijinks and gang battles, rats get smuggled into a cheese factory, the drugs dry up and everyone is very moody. So Alida, now dating the head of the guards for some reason, starts smuggling them in through her pyramid scheme. When he finds out, he's pretty PO'd though, but he gets over it immediately because he doesn't want to be a sad loser that has birthday parties at work, I guess. Cindy calls Caputo and tells him about the dodgy SWAT team that actually killed Piscatella. That goes nowhere because they have no evidence, so Fig tells him to start a PR nightmare for them. He tries to enlist Sophia to help, but when she's offered early release and money, she takes the money and freedom. Who can blame her? Loosecheck gets an erection over Gloria. Blanca tries to get pregnant. Cindy and Flucker have a radio show. Suzanne and Pensatucky become friends, which is super cute. Piper is granted early release, so her and Alex get prison married. And Carol and Barb tell their gangs to fight each other at the kickball final. They're going to use it as a distraction so they can get to Frida and kill her. Except everyone decides that they would rather play kickball thanks to some new team shuffle-ups and the fight never happens, leaving Carol and Barb to fight in a closet until they kill one another. And then Piper walks out of Litchfield forever. That's the end, I guess. Deep Dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too.
first thing I want to do um, in the spoiler section is just talk about uh, a few things, just clarify a few things I was saying during my review. First of all, obviously, when we talk about the setting change, we're talking about um, them going to max rather from minimum security to maximum security prison. Mm. And how much that didn't feel like it was a massive deal at all. Like <laughs> in the first couple of episodes when they're in ADSEG, it's like, yeah, there was this feeling of like, they were so isolated and so kept away from people that this was going to be a huge change mm-hmm. for them. Also, we made for boring TV long-term, but it, was, <laughs> it felt really different. And then once they were sort of, yeah, they were separated into their separate blocks and stuff like that. And there's these gangs going on. But really, it didn't feel all that different to being in Litchfield, the the, the original Litchfield prison in minimum. I just I thought that was a really wasted opportunity. I don't know about you. I, I agree. I mean, I kind of enjoyed um, the at the very beginning when they are in ADSEG and they're separated and they're being questioned and the case mm. is kind of like being brought up. And we see on that whiteboard, I think it is, where it's just like, you know, two people are going to get life, three are going to get 10 years extra or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's like raising the stakes. We've got everyone separated. They're trying to find different ways to communicate. That's kind of cool. But then, you know, I agree with you. That would get very tired very quickly. And so we have them move into the separate blocks. And I like that's kind of what I meant when I was talking about how the gangs weren't at all threatening. Like we're in Max, but they seemed like the same kind of villains and bullies that we had already experienced in minimum. Yeah. It was yeah, it was yeah, it was very similar to what we'd seen before, I think. Yeah, no, that was it just didn't separate itself from like what we used to in the original minimum security prison at all. They did like a few things. There were some um uh what do you call it, shiving and stuff that was happening out in the mm. courtyard sort of, but even those just didn't seem to be taken as seriously as I would have expected. There was very few real threatening people. And Carol and Barb, which we'll get to in a second talking about them, mm. who are sort of our main baddies, just didn't seem all that intimidating ultimately, especially because yeah. their lackeys were all lame as fuck. I think, like, perhaps for me, the most terrifying villain still to this date, maybe you could refresh my memory on a better one, but I think it's still Penzatucky. Like, she's, like, that season one Penzatucky is still so terrifying to me. She was such a wild card. She was walking around with, like, shivs and stuff as well, threatening Piper in a shower with very serious harm. She was a fucking loose cannon. Um, And it was affecting one of our main characters very directly. And yet these Max girls, you know, they're kind of the same. Maybe Piscatella? Could be considered to be like more threatening, he. Mm. But I think you're right in terms of just like loose cannon. Yeah. Um, Pensatucky was way, way, way up there. I agree with yeah. that. Um, also, I want to talk about those fucking new guards and just actually <laughs> a lot of the new administrative characters in particular. The new guards yeah. are all horrible, horrific cartoon people. But I think the bit for me where I was like, I was like, this season could be a real struggle was in episode two when they were doing these interviews in like the break room and they kept having this dumb ongoing joke about this guy who wanted to just make his fucking popcorn and interrupting them to use the microwave. I I need to get my calories or whatever it is. What the fuck is this shit? This is not funny. It's not not anything. And I wanted to just cut my eyes out and I was ready to be done with the show at that point. It got better Mm -hmm. from there, thank God. But I was like, this is a sign of things to come with fucked it yeah was so i bad. remember specifically watching that scene being like well this is just annoying 
And not even just like, oh, I'm annoyed for the characters in the scene, like the cops or whatever. I'm like, this, as a viewer, this is just annoying. Like something big is happening and this character, I don't know, I don't care about, I don't think what he's doing is particularly funny, keeps interrupt, like interrupting the action. Yeah. Very strange. Okay. Let's, before we start talking about the specific storylines, also talk about the characters who went missing this season. Oh, we lost yeah. Boo. Though we did mm-hmm. see her for a very quick second in a prison in Idaho, I think it was, or Ohio. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, somewhere else. I think they're all the same. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. There's no <laughs> difference there whatsoever. Uh, no Watson. Um, remind me if any of these people are dead, by the way, but I'm pretty sure they're all alive. Boo, Watson, Norma, uh, Maritza, Chang, and Maritza! Yoga Jones. I yeah, miss you. No. And uh, Yoga Jones all went all went missing this season. Oh, yeah. Um, do we miss any of their presence in particular? Maritza, obviously. Definitely Maritza because obviously we have Flaka and yeah. Flaka without Maritza, it's just, it's not the same. It's not, it's the, not same, the same, even, even with the Black Cindy. Um, no. Yeah. Watson actually didn't occur until afterwards that Watson, Watson wasn't in it, but I was missing Watson. I would have liked to have seen Watson in this setting. Do you can know I what I mean? Just, can I just say to you... Um, yeah. I forgot about the character Watson until you literally just said her name before. I completely forgot about her. So, clearly I did not miss her. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many characters, it's hard to keep track of anyway. Mm. All right, let's try and blitz through some of these storylines and just give our general thoughts. Let's not get hung up on too many of them, um, really. Piper, Batterson, and Alex. How do you find their sort of ongoing story? Piper, first of all, not sure if Alex is alive or dead. Great. Um, when that was th- first happening, I was like, fucking hell, Piper, not this shit again. You're so <laughs> dumb. Why are you always just the dumbest all the time? But they quickly got rid of that. Thank but It was Christ. just used as a device to get her to throw Red under the bus in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which works. I suppose. And then we spend a whole season of just Alex and Piper convincing each other that they they should be together forever. Um, Look, okay, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Was I like fully invested every time they were giving each other Google eyes? Yes, I was. Really? Am I also very lonely at the moment? Yes, I am. So I don't know. <laughs> it's coming from a biased place. But I was like, there were lots of times where I was like, this is really cute and happy. And I'm just holding on to that right now. It's a question of whether you feel like Alex and Piper not even not deserve but actually work as a couple. And I, I think they do. I mean, maybe. It's just that I'm so sick of Alex and Piper <laughs> over the course of six seasons. <laughs> yeah. That um I'm not sure I I just it was hard for me to care too much. It wasn't bad. Piper is just mm. the fucking worst. I, I tell you is my problem. I'm I can't be convinced that Alex <laughs> really could possibly be in love with Piper when Piper is the worst human being on the planet. Like, Alex is so much better than Piper. So much better <laughs> at life. Just such a, yeah. a more complete, self-sustained individual. And Piper has mm. not... She does not learn. She's she fucking just gone through a year of hell at the original Litchfield camp. She... Still decides. No, I'm in Max. I'm going to stick my neck out and start making a fucking soft uh, kickball leg, she which is going to make her a target. What the fuck lives. is wrong with her? It's it's beyond frustrating yeah. um, that the writers continue just to have this the same goddamn things happen to her. It's very annoying. Um, but no, I I I get it. I think one they clearly have a lot of chemistry, which is important. Um, They're both and- attractive. Yes, I get it. <laughs> And, and two, I think 
Alex clearly, through the dynamic of their relationship, needs someone to look after. Like she likes to look after someone. She likes being the protector and Piper gives her the opportunity to do that. So, I don't know. Blech. Um, <laughs> You obviously didn't like Batterson much as a character. Uh, no, did you? I think I didn't like her for the reason the show wanted me to not like her, though. Like, she's an awful ADD bully who I, you know, I remember those people from high school. And she's got that very yeah. sort of... That 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 attitude, and I of course didn't like that. It's mm. like I didn't, but I think she was written to be that specifically. Whether that's effective or not, or whether yeah, that deserves, like, should be in the show is that's all well and good. But yeah. if you want a show to be genuinely interesting, is that you have that basis where you're like, oh, people are like, oh god, I hate you, I hate you, like this is awful because that's how they're meant to feel. And then you add a layer of nuance, you add understanding of people, you can understand you put in an element of empathy in some form or way or at least understand motive in a real human way. And with Batterson, it's like, I get it, she's an insecure bully, but, like, God, can't we have a little bit more than that? Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely – I mean, that's what it all boils down to. I wonder whether that other stuff could come later. Mm. I, I, I didn't think she was the worst part of the season <laughs> by a long shot. What did you think – of two things here, mm-hmm. the wedding, first of all. What do you think of the wedding in the final episode between Piper and Alex? It was a beautiful ceremony. <sighs> Gorgeous ceremony. It, it was the bit- <laughs> I'm not I giving you what you want, obviously. You no, want it's fine. I, it was the bit I could have gone without in the sense okay. that I, I think the wedding is fine. I think what's weird is that I'm not convinced that the four other people in that room- give a shit about Piper and Alex enough to be goo-goo eyes over the fact that they're uh, so in love and yeah. or that they, especially that Piper is getting out. It's like, it felt, the the vibe of it felt like at the end of The Wizard of Oz when everyone's saying, I'm going to miss you, Dorothy. I was like, no one's going to fucking miss Piper. No one's <laughs> lo- no one gives a shit about Piper. Piper has not affected their lives in any fucking way. They could not give, Black Cindy and fucking Flucker could not give two shits about Piper. Nikki and Maritza mm. and um, Morello will give maybe a little bit. But yeah. I just did not believe that this scarecrow moment of, I can't believe you're going. Anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I look back on all the things that they've experienced together. Um, particularly the white girls who are in like the white family together. The white family, I believe a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Um, one, I think Nikki would be very invested in the wedding because her and Alex have a really cool friendship and something I kind of wish we got to see more of and I hope we do next season. And also Morello is obsessed with romance, so it makes sense why she would be that so bit, invested. That one made sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, as for Cindy and Flaka, um, yeah, no, like that doesn't – like f- remember when like Piper was um, – had that stupid panty business and she like pushed Flucker out in like the worst fucking way. Yes. Like as if Flucker would be like, oh man, I'm going to miss you. Um, yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I g- yeah. No, you, you're right. I, I think I was just, I just thought it was sweet because I like watching two gays get married. Certainly. And <laughs> finally, what did you think of Piper getting out early? Because for me, I was like, Fucking yes. Yeah. yeah, it was this like, is this good. is, it's, 
bit late, but yeah, yeah, good, good. It's- Piper's run a course in this storyline. They don't Absolutely. seem to have anything new for her to do. Mm. The idea of like these two have sort of dedicated their lives to each other. And this is almost like the inverse of season one, right? Where mm-hmm. Piper is in prison and separated from Larry. Dick face. Larry. Is Larry? Oh my God, it's been so long. Um, <laughs> and now to have her on the outside, Alex on the inside is a really interesting dynamic. And mm-hmm. I think Piper is going to have more interesting time outside of it. They, they, they drop hints a couple of times about her memoirs and stuff like that. Yeah. And mm. so there's obviously room to go there. Um, the the real Piper Chapman, whoever the, her name is, the real one, obviously wrote Herman, the, her book. Yeah, and so there's there's room to go there. And if this is the last season next season, which I really hope it is, I think that makes a lot of sense for her to be on the outside mm-hmm. and sort of see things from that perspective. Um, I was yeah. fucking stoked when I realized <laughs> she was getting out early. I was like, yes, this is such a good move. Yeah, no, I think when she was getting out when she actually got out because of this show you're always like oh god something terrible is gonna happen at the last minute um but yeah she was actually out. i was like oh sweet so we're gonna see like those scenes that we did in season one where larry's like going on radio shows and stuff we're gonna see piper kind of doing the same thing using her privilege and actual inside knowledge to kind of perhaps hopefully make change which is kind of cool idea for season seven what about barb and carol we've already expressed that we sort of didn't think they were very effective bad guys was there anything about their storyline that you liked? Their place um, in the season at all? As the season went on, I I guess I was like, oh, how is that going to intersect with Red's hatred of Frida? Um, that could be really interesting. But then that kind of didn't go anywhere because then immediately what's the face is like, I think it was Carol who's like, oh, well, I'm not really wor- worried about that at the moment. We're focusing on gang wars. Um yeah, I mean, I really, I'm not sure I have a whole lot to say about it. Yeah, I don't know. It like it really just didn't affect me a whole lot. I kind of liked where that ends up in the sense that these two completely toxic, evil, nothing redemptive about them characters. This is the problem as well. When you talk about like we're saying Baddison doesn't have any layers, these two have no layers. They are established to have been fucking horrendous, awful people from the start. Mm-hmm. And, th- and 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 th- that flashback in the last season just confirms that that they are there was something seriously wrong with these two ladies where they mm. both interpreted somebody else's story as being their own and then fought over that their entire lives. Um, the they're like it's not a subtle message, but the idea that their sort of uh, hatred or or that that dark side of them ultimately destroys them both, mm. and that. The the people below her were able to sort of escape that influence by recognizing that that's what was going on. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem very subtle, <laughs> but I like the i I did like that moment at the end where it felt like it was inevitable there was going to be this fight, and you mm-hmm. kept worrying like which might, is is Alex going to get stabbed? Who's going to die? Are, are mm-hmm. my favorites in trouble? And then to have that where they mix up the teams and people are able to look past their troubled history together and recognize that something's not right here, make smart changes and then avoid a catastrophe and actually learn to like just live in harmony. Not super subtle, but kind mm. of moving. I really liked that moment at the end. I really liked that whole bit. Yeah, no, I, I certainly think it was effective. Um, yeah, it's no, and you're absolutely right. It's just the ca- the actual characters that I don't have yeah. much to say about. They were okay but, uh, yeah, as symbols, I think, but... 
I think that, yeah, that game at the end is, you know, really good. And when, you know, Maria approaches the guard who was going, who was experienced so much trauma because because of what Maria did. Mm -hmm. And even in that moment, they have to kind of find a new way to communicate with one another just to even start that process. And then that just kind of continues on and continues on, which is really cool to see. So, well, let's talk about that moment because I think that's an interesting storyline. You were saying Maria didn't feel like Maria to you. This season. I don't know. She's just all over the gosh darn place. <laughs> the gosh darn place. Yeah. Because I don't swear. You know that, Brod? Yes, um, never. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I don't know. Like, she, she felt displaced, obviously, because that is how the character is meant to feel. She has been displaced. She doesn't mm-hmm. have a family anymore around her. Um, the suicide thing happens. She finds God. And then she realizes that her epiphany was brought on by an attempted murder by a a baby killer. Um, And then she kind of reverts back to being a badass for a bit. And I don't know. I just feel like the character of Maria is lost in a sense that it feels like she's lost because the writers don't know what to do with her. Like I don't – and I would love for this story to go somewhere really cool and rich and interesting. Um but as for this season, wasn't particularly interesting to me. It, I think it's better on reflection a little bit in the moment. I mm. think from moment to moment, I agreed with you. When you put yeah. it all in context, you remember, especially when McCullough is talking about that experience that she holds a lot of resentment for Ruiz and then she, Ruiz is going through her problems. Yeah, she sort of finds this false redemption through religion mm. and ultimately- these two women have to look past their history, try and uh, uh, somehow um, listen to and work with her abuser, but and the abuser has to find real redemption by actually helping people rather than this yeah. bullshit fake like be with God thing that happened in the middle of the season. Yeah. It like it works better again. When you put the pieces together later, in the moment mm. though, yeah, I was kind of wondering what are we doing? What's Ruiz doing this season? I'm not really sure what Maria's whole thing was. Um, yeah, no, you, you make you make a great point there, and I, I think that's I, why I like the last episode because it did mm. seem like it did a good job of actually like wrapping up storylines and like yeah. going, oh, that's what this was about this mm. whole time. This was what it was trying to say and get to. Yeah, and I I, I really enjoyed the journey of what's sorry, what's her name, McCullough. McCullough. That- yep. I I thought that was great. I think it was wonderfully performed and. The, the scene at the end with Maria, um, she, you know, the McCullough looks like an animal that's been abused and she's kind of so like somehow like backing away but also you can see she could like bite at any moment and it's, it's a genuinely tense moment but to see her kind of just accept that like to move forward, like that kind of energy that she has just is not – going to work or be helpful to her or anyone around her, which is really cool. She is the one, like, good guard. She's the one guard that actually has anything interesting to do or say this Mm. entire season and just in general at this point, I think. Um, Suzanne, do we enjoy what we did with Suzanne this season? Oh, we certainly started in an interesting place, didn't we? The first episode was very interesting. (laughs) <laughs> um, and the, since moving past it, the more I've liked it. I've really mm. enjoyed the amount of attention spent on her, on seeing the world through her eyes a little bit. Mm-hmm. While it might be a little bit simplistic or like, 
uh, idealized in some ways, like watching everybody dance and those sorts of things. Yeah. It was effective at mm. putting her understanding how she sees the what other people are doing around her, how she contextualizes it. That was very, very interesting. And putting her, I like her storyline. I, I really liked her pairing with um, Frida mm, and with Pensatucky. I thought we're all unique and interesting. And one of the best things about this entire season, in fact, was just for so long, it's felt like we've had most of our characters stuck in this sort of um, their ethnic or family sort of. Mm-hmm. They've been separated in sort of like um, into those groups, those stereotypes, which was it was commenting on that specifically. And so then to move them, mix them up and then have them come together because they, they are familiar in the sense they, they, they know each other from the previous prison was really effective and a great mm. way to to shake things up. It's like what Morello says. I think it's I think even the first episode of season one when Piper walks in and she's talking about like Morello's like oh you know obviously you only hang out with white girls and she's like you know it's not racist it's tribal and yeah. it's just because they're in this new environment like like simply being from um, minimum at Litchfield that that is their tribe is it like yeah. it's just simply the people that you recognise. Yeah. Um, in this situation, I every time I went to Florida, I felt I was kind of excited. I was like, I really like Florida. Um, I wish we got to see more of Laverne Cox there. I think I would have enjoyed that. And I also think that would have made her ending a little bit more powerful if we had like yeah. reintroduced ourselves a little bit to her character and who she really was and what we love so much about her. Um, but otherwise, you yeah, know, I love the dynamic with. Suzanne and Frida, I thought it was really sweet. And I also thought it was heartbreaking Frida kind of, you know, doing that Harry and the Hendersons kind of thing at the end, being like, no, go. I, I don't care about you <laughs> throwing rocks at her, emotional rocks at her. Um, but also coming from a place of truth being like, I just use people. That's what I do. And that kind of confession, I think, will lead into next season of her being more open to family again, particularly now that um, Carol and Barb are gone. And I loved this Suzanne and Penzatucky. They both had this childlike nature and I think it's really fun to see them play off each other. All right, let's talk about Penzatucky since we're here. Ooh, it sounds like you did not love how they started the season with her with uh, Abuser Man on the run. Oh, that's exactly what I wanted. I was like, oh, yes, a road trip movie with these guys. <sighs> oh, and another guard because I love them. Um, no, I, I, I didn't love it. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of this storyline. As people who have listened to other Orange the New Black podcasts will know, I have a real problem with this storyline. And the proviso, I guess, with the conversations that we've had previously has always been that, well, let's just wait and see how, like what they're going to do with it, what they're going to do with it. Now we know what they were going to do with it. And I was just like, was it two and a half seasons? Yeah. Yeah. It was two and a half seasons. And this is where we are now. Um, That's a long time to spend on this storyline. I don't know what I garnered from it. Um, was it worth going, you know, years back now watching Penzataki be raped in those two episodes? 
um, in a way that was very awful for me. I'm going to go with no, but also I've read quite a few comments here and there over the, over the internet of women who have been in abusive relationships, um, appreciating that or at least, you know, understanding the character of Pensataki in a way of like, well, that's actually, that's how they work is that you, when you are so degraded your entire life, being in that, that situation, just having moments of kindness here and there is enough. So that representation obviously means a lot to some people. I don't get it. I find it infuriating. Yeah, I don't know what to to get from that story. What what I'm what I am learning about abusive relationships. I'm I'm not sure. Well, what are your thoughts on it? My my thoughts are mainly that exactly what you were saying. We have sort of gone not liking this, not liking this, hating the way they're presenting this entire thing hate the, the storyline for Pentatucky because of it, but sort of going, especially at the end of last season when she escapes and like hides away in his little, um, his little house thingy near the mm. prison or whatever. And like thinking this is the worst idea, but maybe they must have a really good reason for doing this. They must have like, they must know where this is going and feeling like when they finally get around to, to dealing with it this season, Either they didn't know at any stage what they're going to do with it, or they realized that people fucking hate this storyline, mm. and they're like, "Let's just get Pensaki back to prison, and we'll figure out what to do with her next next season." And they sort of just bailed. Because as much as I did like her with um, with Suzanne once she mm. got to Florida, she just didn't have anything to do. She had no narrative drive whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, am I happy we're out of this storyline? Yep. Am I a bit disappointed it didn't go anywhere? Yep, because now I hate what they did with it previously <laughs> even more. Yeah. That, I think it's it's a huge shame. I mean, I I was very skeptical that what they could do would make up for how much I disliked the storyline. Yeah. But to see it fizzle out the way it did, it feels very strange. Um oh, I've okay, there's something I wanted to talk to you about how did you feel or what was your what were your thoughts during the um the carnival scene that you're specifically talking about the bit where it's like talking about my gay friends or whatever yeah their forbidden love i i thought has this guy checked out his mate his friend is super gay how the why the fuck is he picking on a, a gay couple that's that was the depth of my thought of that scene the guy that was like Call them oh, a you fag. mean like the bully guy? He His mate sitting next to him was gay as hell. Like, <laughs> the guy doesn't say anything. I, I was love like, that what your the fuck gaydar guy? was pinging. That's great. <laughs> he totally was. He looked like he could have been one of the Fab Five. I was just kept thinking, he's like, what the hell, guy? Mm. Read the room. And I thought that I I'd, just I'd, like, yeah, it was very strange. I mean, I just think every interaction that kind of Pensatucky had with that bigger guard being like in in certain scenes where he was kind of alluding to the fact that he knew that it was not a healthy situation for, for Pensaducky and also just like where the relationship goes as a whole 
for the past two and a half seasons. It never got better, or I think better is probably the right word, than Panzataki's interactions with Boo at the very beginning of that story. Yes, absolutely. So it's like, well, why did we waste more time on it? That was like, that was the peak of the storyline. And then you just kept going. Yeah. 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 (coughs) Yeah. No, not impressed at all. Mm -mm. Um, Cindy. We still talk about Frida. Yeah, we've covered that. Cindy. Cindy's storyline was one of the ones actually most impressed with this season. Oh, yeah. In terms of her stuff with Flacco was okay. This whole idea that she had a back pain from guilt, whatever. But As a chiropractor. The, yeah, how true is that to real how life? How true is that, bro? I mean, stress being involved with physical pain is absolutely true. I don't know whether that specifically, considering she lives in a prison, is more stress than just her daily life, but <laughs> and whether there are other f- factors. But for the sake of the story, yes, it's a little oversimplistic, mm. but whatever. I'm willing to ride with it okay. um, for the sake of what they're trying to say about what's happening with Cindy. Mm-hmm. And the thing that impressed me, or really like it's like we've had this Penzatucky thing and we feel like she's been a complex character and they had some great early storylines for her and she sort of just plummeted into they don't know what to do with her. Cindy on that on on the other hand has come from being a side character comic relief mm. to really finding some interesting depth with her and like a great some great performance moments in there as well and really felt the the conflict she was going through in terms of her self-preservation instinct versus her loyalty to Tasty. Really fucking liked that a lot. I loved it. I mean, that scene in the library between them when Cindy's just kind of like breaking down in front of her and, you know, kind of contemplating, telling her, and then obviously she goes for the lesser of two evils in terms of like what's going to hurt Tasty. And tells about her horrible past, yeah. Just to be like... Oh, I have a a kid, um, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm a liar. Instead of just being like, I'm actually, you know, a liar about something much more important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but just yeah, I mean, seeing the love that they have for each other in that scene was beautiful, but also yes. heartbreaking because you know <laughs> what is actually going on. Well, from that, let's talk about Tasty then, the other very good storyline I thought this season. Mm, and maybe yeah. like the most conventional storyline in terms of this was a someone has been framed, they are, you know, being sent down the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, can this be stopped? Are they doomed? Or is justice going to be served? Like this was, and it was obviously politically, they talk about Black Lives Matter, the ACLU are involved. All those sorts of things are factors in this storyline. Um, but fuck me if um, Danielle Brooks isn't fucking terrific, as always, She's as Tasty. So good. Mm. And sold every single scene she was in about the entire thing. She even had great scenes with Caputo, who I couldn't give a shit about, but he had some <laughs> really good moments with her as well. Um, they are an absolute highlight, and you almost wish... The season was built more around this storyline rather than it feeling Mm -hmm. so separate from everything else that was going on except for Cindy, really. Absolutely. I think if this show is really an indictment of the prison system in America, then it makes so much sense that this is where we go with it. This is where we end up is a young black woman is like all of the weight of what has happened over the past 
five seasons is put on her shoulder. Everything that has been mounting up is put on her shoulders in the threat of a life sentence. That's going to be it for her, which is terrifying and huge and far too big for one person. But what an interesting story to tell because while it is so big, the person that whose shoulders it is being laid upon is someone that we all really care about mm-hmm. and have come to care about over time. So, yeah, I really wish we had spent more time sitting in that and really feeling the devastation of that because I think, like, as I said, if this show is an indictment of the prison system, God, we could experience a lot of the horror of that, a lot of the tragedy of that through Tasty this season. What did you think about um, her relationship with the guard, her friend from sort of her life outside the prison, um, Tamika? Did you? I mean, I, I get why it was it was good for the plot to kind mm-hmm. of move some things along. I understand why that's important. You know, and obviously having the parallel between, you know, it really is just circumstantial as to like where we go in life a lot of a lot of the time. Do you mean they're walking down different paths? Oh, How they're the sort of symbolism, bro. We're at a crossroads. And oh, they- the visual symbolism. <laughs> the mise-en-scene, if you will. Um, yes. Yes, I, I am specifically talking about that very on-the-nose scene. <laughs> um so, I mean, I wasn't in love with the storyline just because it kind of like it would come and go throughout the season. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was fine. And I think within the story, it played a part. I just kind of wish I had more of just my girl tasty. I thought the highlight when it came to Tamika was the flashback. I could not get over their chemistry as friends. They were yeah. so They seemed like two awesome girls hanging unbelievable. out. Unbelievable. I was just like, this is really... I, I am, They are really entertaining together. I'm really mm-hmm. enjoying this flashback more than I enjoy a lot of flashbacks um, throughout the... Especially this season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also no, love I, that Tasty was such a fucking badass. Like, and such a good liar like that. Like, the way she she handled that situation was very impressive to me. It was I would have had cool. fecal matter all through my pants, but, you know. <laughs> um, from different worlds, I guess. I, I don't want to move on from this too quickly because it's such an important storyline. Is there anything else about the tasty situation we want to talk about? Maybe, I suppose we can look at Caputo. <laughs> yeah, let's have a long, hard look at Caputo because the show sure does. God, how does he get so much fucking screen time? And how the f- why the fuck do they think I give a shit about him and Fig? Why so the why do we always have to see fuck? him masturbating all the time? Why <laughs> they think it's endearing at this His point? His dick is this season's Larry. I don't <laughs> want it. I don't need it. <laughs> they honestly, they must think it's endearing. This whole masturb- <laughs> masturbation thing. That opening scene is him fucking yelling at his neighbour or whatever for mm. having his music up to. I can't remember what it is, but bouncing the basketball. So because he's trying to masturbate in peace, it's like I also, don't like, understand. Get some fucking headphones, you psycho. Like it, relax. Exactly. <laughs> we right. all do. Um, yeah. No, it's. <laughs> I oh god when I. Ugh. I'm trying to like formulate <laughs> ideas. When I first started watching this, I was just 
infuriated. I was like, why are we spending so much time with fucking Caputo? And then I'm like, why are we spending so much time with Caputo and Fig? Why is she watching Bruce Springsteen and it's like a romantic comedy all of a sudden? so awful. What is happening? (laughs) It's so weird. I like forgot. It, what the show was, it forgot what their characters were. That was the thing as well. Fig like was a was in different scenes was just a different person, like yeah. a completely different person in certain scenes. Like, it is made- she a sociopath or not? Yeah. Does she like do the uh, worst things to women under her care, or does she actually have a heart? Oh god. And then meanwhile, like there seems to be this weird like, oh, really? We're meant to like Fig and Linda is the shithead. And it's like, how, can they, how about they're all just fuckheads and we move on away from these people completely? They're how all we part of the fucking problem. Exactly. And also, how am I meant to be like, oh, this is lighthearted and funny or cute or whatever, when because of these people's actions for the past five seasons, Tasty is going to be convicted for life. Tasty, someone I actually care about, is yeah. going to prison forever. Who actually Fuck has off. real fucking shit going on. Her yeah. best friend is killed. She's been involved in a riot. She's been framed for murder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is if a real story like this. cute date scenes, I don't know, just stick a camera on Penzataki and Suzanne. It'd be adorable. <laughs> oh, my God. If that season was like Suzanne Penzataki, I obviously just like a bromance. But, God, that would have been way better. True. Ugh. Uh, Red this season. I kind of like am in for the idea that what happens to Red when she loses her family? She's been mother mm, hen for so long. Yeah. She she has stepped away from her biological family to form this family inside the prison. So what happens when that's gone? And seeing Red sort of tend towards the dark side, sort of side with Carol or Barb, whichever one it was I even remember is like there is a potential there and I think even the show knew that they didn't have a lot to do with her this season. So, they sort mm. of, they've left it with her and Gloria both in um, the shoe next to each other and that's more of a promise to do something more with this next season, I think. But Yeah, I would- think so. I think perhaps maybe next season she'll go full Russian bear and just be like, well, I'm here now. My family outside doesn't give a fuck about me because of the choices I've made in here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to set you all on fire. Have fun yeah, with I, that. I wonder if Red, Red the bad guy, is maybe what we're going to mm. get next season. Which the I'd ultimate be villain. okay with saying. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. What about Nikki slash Morello? Morello is just a running joke this season. There is <laughs> literally nothing for her to do except yeah, no, be pregnant and somehow want to be part of a gang. Um. And Nikki, Nikki gets sort of sucked into trying to protect Morello, so she's part of the gang too, but doesn't want to be. Yeah, I think she's trying to juggle everything. I think it was probably easier for her last time because she didn't have any ties to anyone, so she could kind of be on the fringe a little bit, go unnoticed. But this time, obviously, the people that she loves and cares about are getting very involved in gang life. I'd, Um, I'd forgotten that Nikki had been here previously. Mm. And I remember those scenes where we had those, we saw her at Max and she was getting her chip for being, you know, yeah. served for however long. This does not even remotely seem like the same prison. That prison. Well, it's was, a very different set. <laughs> was a very different set and mm. just felt so different from this. Mm-hmm. This yeah. feels like a completely different world compared to what we saw then. Yeah, really this inconsistent. 
it feels slightly like a Disney version of Oz. I don't mean the Wizard of, I mean... Yeah, you mean the Oz prison the drama show. Oz? Like it's just kind of like everything's cleaner and not as horrible and violent, and um, we've literally got people singing and dancing. Um, you know, it's a very different feeling than the awful place that you know people come back from from time to time. Oh, that's one thing. I really wanted to see Miss Claudette, who in season one was sent to Max. She yeah. wasn't there and I was like, God damn it. Just like a little bit. Even if Wait. she's shuffling in the background holding her tray in Florida, that would have been great. But anyway. Which one's Miss Claudette? So in the first season, yeah. she's Piper's roommate. She's an older woman, African American woman. Didn't she die? Oh, she's from Haiti. She's or dead. What? When did she, she die? She ran over V at the end of season two and then and then disappeared and and Died, I'm pretty sure. Who was it? This no. Who escaped? She's a season- black woman. Oh, sorry, I she was thinking. She ran of- the maid service, and then she killed that guy who touched one of her maids. Oh, Miss Claudette. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck happened to her? Well, maybe she died of old age. I don't know, but she's not in Max anymore. Well, okay. Let's let's go here while we're here. I'm I'm going to come back to this later. No, mm-hmm. no, we'll talk about the fact that the, the unlikelihood that Miss Claudette is dead. We'll talk uh-huh. about that when we get to side notes because there's something I really want to talk about with that. Oh, okay. Um, okay, sure. We've talked about Red, talked about Nikki a little bit, sure, whatever. Oh, also Nick- about Nikki, hated the fucking flashback. Yeah, the flashback I was awful. I hate like precocious kids that talk like that. Like, you're not going to have like that monologue at your bar mitzvah. Sorry, cl- mate. It's not going to happen. If if it had to be any character, Nikki is the one because she has the gift of the gab. That is entirely her character. It's just that mm. she is that sort of person. But yeah, did seem a little far-fetched. It was awful. I also feel like we've had enough Nikki flashbacks. Do we need more Nikki flashbacks <laughs> about and her never, childhood? we never like, get anything new from it. We get it. Like Your parents didn't love you. And it you- was... There was actually Maybe very few drugs. flashbacks this season, and some of them were totally <coughs> non-events for me. Um, mm. Didn't think the Cindy one was needed very much either, and they didn't cast her very well. That Cindy yeah, didn't no, look I anything didn't so. like her. I mean, yeah, I was. I'm never particularly interested in the flashbacks anymore. Like, what yeah. do we need them for? Uh, oh well, I liked. I as much as I didn't like the characters, I didn't mind the Barb and Carol flashbacks. Just because you get to see a young Frida again, you know, in prison and stuff like that. I, I love the chick who played young Frida. Yeah, she's really been great since it. I got her to do it previously. She, I'm pretty sure we've had her before. Which, Maybe not. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. But whatever, she is good casting, and she is. Mm. It's very, very well done. That whole thing. In fact, in fact, the the we've often talked about the casting of the flashback people being very good. There are a mm. couple of bad ones in here this season, but the Carol and Barb fucking dead ringers for their older selves as well. Like they are perfect casting those two. Yeah, I think they look similar. I think yes. the way they act is quite different, particularly. Um, the more eccentric of the two, I can't remember, in the flashbacks. The one with the glasses. Carol, I think. Like, she's, like, off the wall in yeah, the past. Yeah, yeah. She is not off the wall in the present. Yeah, she's I'm a bit sure older. You know. I'm sure there's reasons for that, but it yeah. didn't feel like a particularly similar character to me. Um, quickly back to the guards as well. I want to try and speed this up a little bit because we're going a bit so, long here. Yeah. The um, the the thing about, about the guards as well, they're stupid fantasy 
inmate thing as well Fantasy was so yeah. ham-fisted and dumb. And you mean it didn't feel like it was contrived just to get plot stuff happening? Just to allow people to be violent to each other in a maximum fucking security prison? Yeah. Like when Ginger, ta- I think that's her name, Ginger takes a, like, um, Carol and Barb into like an ad seg together. I was like, yeah. you can't do that. That's not a thing. Absolutely. That's not a thing at all. Uh, anyway. Dyer and Daddy. What do we think about Dyer's character this season? Um, I think it's really sad and tragic. Mm-hmm. I like seeing Gloria be a mama. I always like that. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just love Gloria. I, mean, I, love, I just love Gloria too, yeah. I'm like, I love you, Gloria. Um, yeah, I think it's obviously the inevitable place that Dyer's storyline's going to go. Like Especially because she's got life. She's got life. And, yeah. you know, she killed a guy, a guard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and she's pretty hopeless at the moment and, you know, she's in a new place and there's drugs around and someone's giving it to her for free. So I, I loved a couple of scenes with her and Alita mm. over when they're sort of talking at um, Visitation. She's really good at playing high, by the way. Fucking seriously. So in the good. La- I think it was the last episode or, or close to it. Mm. And it was really convincing that she was fucked off her face. Yeah. The way she would just... I, I don't know. There was just some a beautiful vagueness. And like, like the her phasing little smile in and, and out in really yeah. subtle ways was... Even yeah, like the fabulous. going to sleep bit. I was like, yeah. that could be really... We've seen, I think we've talked about in the past about characters playing drunk and stuff mm. like that. And that can seem really like... She was, I was like, that, I hope this is not method acting because it yeah. was very convincing. Like, I think she just shot up before the shot. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Mm. It was really good. And I've I've struggled with Di in the past as well. I've never found her all that interesting. Sometimes I've worried her performance kept me at arm's length. Mm. But now having seen her in just the little bits that we saw her in Gianni Versace and now seeing what they've given her to do this yeah. season, I'm like, oh, they found something for Di and yeah. she's actually a pretty good actress. And um, no, I'm into what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, Alita. I, I'm, I'm down for the darkness. Yeah, me too. Alita's stuff, I really like her stuff. Like, I like her on the we outside. Just, we love Alita. That's, she is that's... so much more interesting now she's out of the prison. And the idea of her getting involved with a pyramid scheme is very funny <laughs> to me. Um, I was, yeah. It was a lot of me just like, don't get sucked down this road again. Don't get, you know, into the whole mm. drug thing. And then that decision she makes at the end, it's like, yeah, it's going to fuck up my daughter, but... I need to see my kids again. Yeah. It's kind of heartbreaking. I was into that. Yeah, it's it's you're into that you well, like I was into, I was like I was I was invested in that storyline a little bit. Yeah, no, I I look, I was certainly I Alita and the guard felt very rushed to me. It felt the like Hooper very, bit is very like, rushed, yeah. Very, you know, this is this is just happening cuz it needs to happen. Um but yeah, I love the character of Alita. I want her to get her kids back. I want yep. everything to be okay, which is obviously not this show. That's not how it works. But look, if we get to spend more time with her, I'm I'm pretty happy about that. Gloria. Oh, Gloria, 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 Gloria. Praise be. Um, I just I really enjoy her. I think I do she... too. They didn't have a lot for her to do this season, really. No, it was they mainly didn't. revolved around. Getting loose, checky chubby, and then like, I, I don't even remember what they did with her. She ended up in ad seg because what'd she do? Um, oh. not in ad seg in in the shoe, and I can't remember what she did. It's something to do with loose check, right? He was protecting her or something. But why well, did he she moved her? Oh, he put her in the. Sh- I cannot remember for the life of me why. 
Don't remember why. Doesn't matter. Uh, That's terrible that we don't remember why. <laughs> it's It's been a week since I watched it. it yeah. It, she, the thing was, she was inconsequential in a lot of ways to this season. But I all, but I always enjoy when she's on. And when we were really in her dance her class, I was like, yeah, let's be in Gloria's dance class. This is awesome. <laughs> totally okay with that. And the I way she was, was talking about like her sensuality, I was like, yes, Gloria, I am a beautiful, strong woman. Thank you. I remembered what it is. She found the, um, the fantasy football stuff. Oh, yep. That's it. Yeah. Thank and you. that got sent there. Um, oh, yeah. She tried to do the thing over the speakers and they were <laughs> Yeah, she right. oh, turned it on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. Found that enjoyable. Loose check was kind of interesting this season in that he's a prick. Like we find out he's a real piece of shit at the end of this season, where he sort of just drives away when he has opportunity to like stop a bunch of violence from happening. He's just like, no, I'm I'm outy, and drives away in his DeLorean. Yeah, he's always been a self centered douchebag. He only yeah. cares about himself. Yeah. No. I hope he doesn't come back. Like, that story's done, surely. How how often can he, like, let someone down? You know what I mean? Like, that yeah. story's been done. He's done that plenty of times with Nikki. He's done it with Gloria now. All right, we get it. Uh, Sophia, we mentioned, had a little bit to do this season. Uh, it was nice to see her again. It's nice to get maybe a button on her storyline and say... Because mm-hmm. ever since she's gone to shoe, I feel like she's been really underused. Like, we get yeah. we, we get reminded that she's there occasionally. We, just we think we, they've forgotten about it completely. They go, oh, yeah. Sophia's still here and now she's out. And it really, like, obviously they had a lot more for her to do in the first three seasons. And maybe they thought they'd run their course after the shoe yeah. bit. But I, I, I like Sophia. Tells me I wish she had more. Probably more to do with scheduling because Laverne Cox's career really took off. Oh, okay. I think well, that's that good. Probably has more that's to do reason. with it. Yep. Um, which is a shame. But yeah, I do, I do really wish that now that we have our other main characters have been moved into the same space as her. What an opportunity to, yeah, like reintroduce like the, like her own stakes, mm-hmm. how she ended up there, how awful it, like what happened to her is. And so that when we get that moment at the end, it's a real catharsis, even though, mm-hmm. you know, she did, she didn't stand up for tasting stuff. It's still like, Oh, thank God. Sophia's free because she's been through so much. Like that should be a really big moment. Yeah, And while it is when you like sit down and really think about what's happened in the past, the show doesn't actually remind us. And it has been a long time since we've watched season five. So th- I think that would have been nice. Um, Blanca had spent the season mainly trying to get mm. lo- knocked up. Um, that was just a nice little CD storyline. The fucking ending though. Uh. So I've been watching this with my housemates and we sort of ended up a little out of sync towards the last episodes. And I had two of them go to me, when you finish the last episode, I need to ask you what the ending was about. There was mm. one thing I don't understand what it was. And so I sat there and watched it. And as soon as I saw that fucking ice truck, I was just like, this is fucking <laughs> bullshit. And they're like, what, what is it? I was like, she's being deported. She's mm. being fucking deported. And it's I love so that your awful. housemates so clearly don't use Twitter. Because yes. That's, as soon I, as I, knew, I suddenly understood. I was like, fucking ice. Ah, they're the American SS. Fuck <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah. I was so upset. And her poor, like, oh, Diablo was waiting there with flowers. Fucking tragic. Awful. And her face, like, yeah. she thought she was free and her face, oh, my God, heartbreaking. Heart-wrenching stuff. I didn't mm. even realise something was wrong until the reveal of the ice truck. Like, you know how Piper and her are walking down the thing yeah. they get separated into different lines? I honestly had no... At that point, I was... Piper seemed concerned. I didn't really know why. I wasn't. It didn't even engage with me. I was meant to be concerned. Yeah. Until I saw the ice truck and then Diab- Diablo like waiting, like looking yeah. for. I was like, 
oh, fuck this bullshit. Yeah, I think there was a really point hmm? as like, I think there was a point they were walking down the corridor and I noticed that all the white women went a different way. Different direction, like, sure. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. I guess I just don't see the, the, uh, the I, world I, that lens. But I, I think, like, I didn't think it was going to be deportation, though. Yeah. I thought they just fucked her over and were actually giving her, like, a longer sentence or something fucked up. But I didn't think it was, yeah. Because I, I was wondering about that, too. I was wondering whether there was some confusion there because th- it all happened so quickly for Piper, but we'd heard her specifically say to Diablo that she was getting out. Yeah. So she has. So she all she knew was she was being released from prison. Mm-hmm. She didn't know what was going to happen next. Yep. It's. Um. I also like the little reveal at the end that um the MCC, which is now called something else, I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. I think it's like PCC. Like it's very similar. Yeah. Um. Are getting into um what do you call it? I- Detention. Immigration centers. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it, which is very, very topical, and. <laughs> We will talk more about that in a second. Let's get into final thoughts. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Some side notes. Uh, Did you have any favourite new characters? Was there anyone at all who stood out to you that you were like, oh, I kind of like that character. They're okay. I had one. I think I know the one you're talking about, but no, not really. Who do you think I'm talking about? Um, The lady who gives... Celebrity names to sayings. Correct. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not. I didn't even catch her name properly. It's Ad, Adiola, I think, or something like that. Something like or that, someone yeah. called her like Caribbean Miss Cleo. I don't know. But yeah, the whole no, bit she about just called her Miss Cleo, and then she was like, "That's racist." Yeah, right. Um, each to their own. Shelley's their own. I thought that was that was that was very funny, and she was just entertaining. She was an entertaining mm. character. Okay, this is the thing I wanted to talk about earlier in terms of whether uh, what was the name of the character. The from season one that got moved to Max. Miss Claudette. Miss Claudette. Orange is the New Black this whole time has been a stealth sci-fi series and we didn't know it. Because I understand that for people inside a prison, time passes slowly. Yeah. But Litchfield must exist in an o- its own temporal vortex, allowing the mm-hmm. outside world to be in 2018 while the inside of the prison is only 2014. It's fucking crazy. Piper, the reality of this show is that it's been a year since Piper went in. She's been in there for just over 12 months. They haven't even got to Christmas a second time yet. <laughs> and yet they're talking about Puerto Rico being without power. They're talking about Black Lives Matter. They're talking about um, immigration and these sorts of things. It's fucking insanity. So Miss Claudette being dead, she must have deteriorated in health really fucking quickly if she died in in, in uh, maximum security because uh-huh. she has not been there for that long. Or, you know, it just doesn't exist in our reality, bro. That is true too. I guess that could be. That's the boring answer. But yours is fun. I do like yours. That's very fun. It's a boring answer. No, the... Because um, I keep thinking about like uh, Piper's... So, so like, that bit at the end where they're all saying, like, goodbye to Piper, right, when after the wedding, it's like, they haven't even known her for a year. They haven't known her for that long. <laughs> yeah, she's She's been in there for a significantly small amount of time compared to so many other people. So, going, right on, girl, get the fuck out of here. It's like she was, she was fucking visiting. She was- yeah, exactly. Like, I hope you enjoyed your stay. <laughs> exactly <laughs> your right. Your vacay, girl. Your staycation. How was it? It's also crazy to think about how much has happened in that year, though. But specifically, like, thinking about, um, like, Tasty, for instance, 
has actually left prison and mm. come back to prison. Alex has been out and come back in. They've started whole new industries inside the prison and then had security guard changes and then had a riot and then moved. Like, the amount of stuff that's happened inside a year is crazy pants. It's chaotic, um, man. It's a chaotic place to live. What I'm thinking of, though, is when Pipe... Now that Pipe is out, Larry and What's-Her-Face won't even be fucking married yet. Like, Ugh, they've been yeah. t- they've been dating for, like, less than a year at this point. They haven't even had their first anniversary as a couple in the time period that we have watched Orange is the New Black. That's crazy to me. And she got married. <laughs> and she got married. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Uh, Quite a life they've, they've been living. Indeed. Least favourite and favourite episodes. Damask, what was your least favourite episode of this season? Uh, I think I'm going to go with episode seven, Changing Winds. And it's really only for the amount of time given to the stupid Caputo and Fig love story. The Springsteen right. thing was so ugh, gr- cringy and terrible. I hated it. Um, like, I just don't want to watch these two monsters having a cute date. Um, also, Baddison's flashbacks don't really tell us more about the character. Like, she's a deeply insecure bully. We got that from the present. Um, we see her groveling to Carol. We already know that she desperately wants to impress whoever she sees as being top dog, and she will do whatever she can to do that. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to have to go with that one, I think. I'm going to say my least favorite episode was episode two, Shitstorm Coming. Um, I was really worried at this yeah. point in the season. We episode one impressed me enough. We'd spent all that time with sort of the people inside from the pool inside AdSeg mm-hmm. and the start with Suzanne was really strong. And then episode two, we opened up to a little bit of gen pop. We were seeing more with the, the guards and Ugh. all that stuff with them being interviewed in the in the um common room area. And I was just like, this is awful. Why why is this happening? And there was so much attention on male characters. And then we were seeing Pentatucky with redneck Hugo Weaving. And like none of it was working. <laughs> and like Well the, done. Well done. Thank you. And the and then uh, even the young the C- Cindy flashback wasn't working for me all that much. The casting wasn't great. I don't know. None of it worked for me. And yeah, I was fair enough. terrified about <laughs> what this season was going to be like after that. Mm. What was your favorite episode, Damask? Uh, it's, I think it's going to be episode 13, Be Free, mm-hmm. um, simply because we got like we actually got story resolutions um, yes. and there was some character culling, which was good. Yeah, and it was, it was really satisfying to watch those kind of moments happen. Um, yeah, I, re- I, I really, really enjoyed that episode. 100% on the same. Episode 13, Be Free, Piper getting out was a fantastic move. That made me super mm-hmm. excited as soon mm-hmm. as I realized it was going to happen. Um, best written episode of the season, I thought. We got the tasty verdict. I really like the way that was executed. Um, not necessarily original, but when the sound goes out and you see her, that emotional break she has, and my initial reaction is, is that of happiness and relief or is that of like despair and doom? And then you mm. get to see Everyone what else. the people on her side of the aisle were reacting to and you realize she was fucked. Without having to say it, just feel it. I thought it was really well done. Mm. I... Didn't, I liked sort of, uh, well, there was the reaction to Blanca's resolution to her storyline being deported. That was fucked, but I yeah. felt all of that. Um, yeah, really, really, really solid final moments. And just to be clear, do we know what Tasty's, um, what her punishment is? Are they given her a, are they said if she's getting life imprisonment or possibly the chair or possibly um, 
death sentence yet? Do we know? So they ha- do they have the death sentence in? They New York? made it clear that that was a possibility because it was a federal prison, therefore it was a federal crime. Right. Okay. There was a scene where they were disc- the guards were discussing and going, "No, it won't be a problem. It's in New York. They don't have death penalty." And then someone was yeah. like, "Yeah, but it's a federal. Cr- it's this is a federal thing." So there's a possibility she might even be on death row next season. I'm not saying that for certain, but I th- mm. I imagine that's there on purpose to make sure that's a possibility that's left open to us. It's definitely a sure. possibility because you need to prove that like the person had you know forethought to do it, and if Cindy's testified to say that she at one point saw her with the gun and pointed at Piscatella's head and then he died later. That means she's thought about it. Therefore, it's certainly possible that she could be given She had motive too. Like yeah. there was all of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens. There. I, I can imagine next season potentially... Okay, well, let's talk about that actually. Predictions, hopes, concerns. Um, I no, hope I we maybe get she's to see- on. Sorry, if she's on death... What's it called? Death Row? Death Death Row, yeah. Death Row, thank you. Um, my brain just went completely blank. I think if she's on Death Row, she is sent to an entirely different um, block. I'm pretty sure Death Row prisoners are sectioned off. Really? Interesting. I'm pretty sure because they don't have anything left to lose. So. Right. Yeah, There's that no makes real sense. way to punish them, I guess. Mm-hmm, I could mm-hmm. be wrong, but I have watched all of... I am a killer on Netflix. So So you're an expert, obviously. I I am definitely an expert. Absolutely. Gotcha. Uh, So I would hope that we get to see some of the other prisoners that were put into other prisons. I don't know if it will happen, but I'd love to check in with Boo. I'd love to check in with Maritza. I'd love to check in with some of those characters for sure. Um, I wonder Mm. whether we might get a time jump next season ahead a little bit in time. It seems unlikely because I've left a couple of characters in situations that need to be resolved immediately, particularly Red and Gloria stand out to me as being like they, them being in the shoe together, seems like it's got a narrative potential they want to explore. With those two being like, you know, the two mama bears next yeah. to each other in-, in um, Or in we see shoe. that time jump and they are like, you know, Carol and Barb are more interesting because we're invested. So we have, we sort of, they've maybe already we get, established that then. If we're doing maybe we get jump. flashbacks to how they got there. Um, so yeah. we go, we Ooh, do flashbacks just to that actually period. Actually, interesting flashbacks. I like it. Yeah. So what went so wrong? They end up in that direction. Because I was thinking if Tasty is on death row, you want to move it down the road a little bit so she's closer to her execution so that we have a ticking clock on trying to get her, yeah. um, you know, get her acquitted or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we think, also have Piper would have actually published the book by published then. Published the book yeah. by then. Th- basically, the show can catch up to the actual year that we're now currently in. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. So we can move forward a little bit and see what where are Alex and Piper at now. They've spent four or five years apart or whatever it might be. Mm. So I'm I'm semi predicting we might get a time jump. Cool. And, I, I like that. And my last Hope is that the next season's the last one. I think it's time. I think it's I, I think it that's I think it was probably time last yeah, season, season five, personally. Um not to say the show is bad. I think it's got good stuff yeah. going on. It's just maybe worn it's it's worn out of its premise and it's time. Yeah. And next season is cause they got signed to do three more and next yeah. season is the third. It's the last so, of those, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that'll be it. 
Anything else? Any other predictions, hopes, concerns? No, my my predictions were mostly just about Piper writing the book about the prison and the riots. Um, yeah. I think that's all very likely. Okay, then. I think that's an episode. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song from Jordan Calavis and our bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S. Recently, I posted my July one second a day video. You can find uh, that on my Twitter account. What about you, Damask? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. I think I just tweeted about Mamma Mia being about nothing, I think. Yeah, and having a fever um, today. Oh, yes. Oh, God, it's, I've had a rough week, guys. It's been, <laughs> oh, it's been a thing. You poor thing. Next week, Damask and special guests will be back to discuss season one of Big Mouth. I will not be here. I will be overseas uh, having a bit of a holiday, so I will see you in a couple of weeks. And when I return, we'll discuss BoJack Horseman Season 3. Really looking forward to that. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.